today on Agnes Daily. Certainly we have uh, corn and, and beans trading, you know, lower than they have been, you know, a year ago. Uh, it, you know, it seems like with all the stimulus and the p- pandemic and all the rampant inflation that we had that was really helping uh, a lot of uh, commodity prices has really fallen by the wayside. We're just we're looking at a different world now. Well, here we are, listeners, Market Monday, conversation, Tanner and Delaney hanging out with you here on December 4th, right, Delaney, December 4th? That is today, Tanner. So <laughs> it's weird when a first falls on a Friday, you feel like you missed the first couple of days of the month. Yeah, that's true, I suppose. It's also weird just to think that we are uh, 21 days away from Christmas. What's on your Christmas list to Santa Claus? Oh, I haven't written it yet. I got to start. Gotta start thinking about that. I think my uh, my mom and my wife would appreciate that if I put some more effort into it. Yeah, well, there's lots of like what to get the farmer for Christmas lists going on right now or posts circulating. So maybe they can pull something from that for you. Yes, that's probably a good idea and a good resource for them. Let's hit a little weather here before we kick things off with other headlines. We've got high wind warnings in much of South Dakota. That obviously creates fire conditions, 25 to 35 mile per hour sustained winds. But the biggest issue is the gusts that are up to 65 miles per hour. High winds may damage roofs, small outbuildings, and those that are trucking through that state need to also pay special attention. The dry weather in that area creates dangerous conditions. Any fires that will start will spread, but I feel like That's a narrative, Delaney, that we've repeated multiple times on this podcast. It certainly is. That does not, that danger does not go away. No, it it really doesn't. And unfortunately, I don't think there's going to be a significant amount of precipitation in the forecast. We also have unfavorable weather in Brazil. November continued their streak of weather issues for most of their growing regions. Hot and dry conditions in the central west and very wet conditions in southern Brazil. So I'm sure that's more what we're going to talk about today during our Market Monday conversation. But That's what I've got for weather headlines today. Yeah, those weather conditions that you mentioned in Brazil are continuing to impact the pace at which they are planting their soybean crop here, their first crop especially in the central western region, which is one of the most important areas for growing soybeans in the state of Mato Grosso. Hot and dry conditions have kept soil moisture too dry for some parts of the country, while weather, wet weather in the southern parts of the country have kept farmers out of the field, Tanner. So for the first full week of December 2023 this week, it's expected to see the second wettest week in about 30 years for the southern portions of Brazil and for the drier conditions, it's going to be the sixth driest week on record for Mato Grosso areas. That's the expected forecast as of right now, but Ted's going to get into what this means for the markets here coming up in just a little bit. Tanner, this week or last week, I should say, kicked off officially the United Nations COP28 event where more than 134 nations have gathered in the UAE to discuss global food production, climate change, and so many other big picture topics. More than two-thirds of the nations in the world, representing about 5.7 billion people and about 70% of the global food production, signed officially a declaration at the summit earlier this week 
assigning agriculture and food systems a major role in combating global warming. This is the first time we've seen a linkage of food and climate pulled together in one agreement like this. And a lot of folks are calling this a real major milestone, finally pulling together that agriculture has a direct place at the table when impacting and talking about climate change discussions. But they said this is just a starting point. There's going to be a lot on the path forward to improve the global food systems, as well as the impact that they play in the climate change debate, as agriculture and food systems are estimated to produce about a quarter of the world's greenhouse gases. So a lot of the countries, nations there, uh, signed by 134 nations, agree that agriculture is, in fact, the solution to this problem. And there is a long path forward to get this thing evened out, Tanner, but this is the first major milestone in doing so. So I'm sure we'll have other updates from COP28 later this week as it's underway in Dubai, but that is just the first of many I'm sure we'll hear. Yeah, I, certainly so. I thought we were almost done with carbon pipeline headlines, but there's more to come. We reported in August that North Dakota's Public Service Commission unanimously, unanimously denied Summit's permit for their projects that the company failed to show what they were seeking for. But now North Dakota will hear a, a hold a hearing on pipeline ordinances this month. So they're gonna focus more on the restrictions that pipelines may have to fall within. Their, over, their ordinances could limit the place of carbon dioxide pipelines. The hearing is set for December 21st. The North Dakota Public Service Commission is reconsidering an application that was from Summit Carbon Solutions that looks to expand upon their capture of greenhouse gases and from ethanol plants in North Dakota. The newly scheduled hearings will be in Burleigh and Emmons counties that are going to restrict how close these pipelines can be to cities, houses, other livestock facilities. They are looking to look at this as a restrictive ordinance that will provide better guidances for those applying for permits in the future. So again, something for us to keep an eye on there, but the commissioners have indicated that they, although divided on this issue, do feel that it is necessary to continue this hearing and go about the process within their state. So I wonder if there will be other states following suit doing Yeah, I saw this headline as well, Tanner. So glad you gave our listeners an update there. One update I had that we'll talk about here in our Market Monday segment is wheat prices today and a huge sale we saw coming in from China. Today, the USDA reported that the Chicago wheat contract had a really large sale today headed to China. The USDA confirmed a private sale of 440,000 metric tons of soft red winter wheat headed to China for delivery in the 23-24 marketing year. This has caused wheat today or caused wheat immediately to rise more than 3% on Monday's trading session and pulled corn slightly higher along with it. We'll talk about what that means for the markets moving forward, Tanner. But we also saw on the opposite side of the end for the bears here, some fodder from the U.S. Grains Council's corn harvest quality report that was just released. According to the November 30th report, this year's corn harvest is noted to be the largest on record, 
with the lowest percentage of broken corn and foreign material. We'll have a WASDE report out later this week, Tanner, but the U.S. Grains Council alleges here in their report that the timely harvest and still key rainfalls in a lot of the areas, despite some concerned with drier conditions in June for pockets of the Corn Belt, can led to a timely harvest of 386.97 million metric tons or about 15,234 bushels of corn, which is the record size of the 2023 crop and the largest crop since the U.S. Grains Council has been doing this quality report for the 13th year now. So that is certainly not a bullish factor for the markets heading into 2024. No, that doesn't sound like it. I've just got warhead mines to wrap up my news for today. The White House is saying that the U.S. funding is about to run out in Ukraine. Ukraine's probe on an apparent shooting of two unarmed soldiers by Russian forces are leading a new investigation. At least two people were reportedly killed in the Russian shelling of the Kyrgyzstan region when 18 attack drones fired upon occupied Crimea. Along with attacks by air, that intense fighting continues along the defensive lines in Ukraine. President Zelensky said that in his nightly address, thanking those who have not forgotten about the fighters on the front line and realize that people are continuing to push for their ultimate freedom. Then when you look in the Gaza region, Israel airstrikes hit about 200 targets in Gaza last night. Israel Defense Forces said the and they announced they were expanding its ground operations following the collapse of a truce with Hamas and said it killed an alleged commander of the Hamas uh, battalion. Their airstrike on Sunday was responsible for carrying out raids during this attack. Almost 1.9 million, now more than 80% of Gaza's total population, have been displaced. The UN is continuing to watch that more than 15,800 Palestinians have been killed by Israeli attacks since October 7th. Qatar's prime minister is continuing to serve as a mediator, emphasize that there is a definite need for a ceasefire in the Gaza region, and is now working with the U.S. Secretary of State to step up the pressure in these negotiations. But that's what I've got for headlines today, Delaney. Tanner, I think I am out of headlines here today as well, aside from taking a look at where markets traded today. And as I mentioned earlier, we certainly had a lot of trade that pushed markets one way or the other today. Corn really was the least exciting market of the grains. March corn today added just three quarters of a cent to close at 4.85 and a half. Soybeans, however, lost a big chunk today, which we'll get into with Ted Seifert coming up here in just a moment. January soybeans today lost 18 and three quarters cents to close at 13.06 and a quarter. March Chicago wheat added 17 and three quarters cents on the board to close at 6.20 and a half. March hard red winter wheat added 11 pennies to close at 6.57 and three quarters. And March spring wheat added six cents to close at 7.36 and a quarter. Livestock today had a bit of an ugly day for live cattle and feeder cattle continuing their downward trend. February live cattle for the eighth week in a row last week is not looking off like it's starting off very good this week. February live cattle shed $2.05 today to close at $1.6705. January feeders continued their downward spin, $3.90 lower on the board to close at $2.1052. And February lean hogs added 70 cents today to close at 7080. 
let's kick it over to our Market Monday conversation with Ted Seifred. Well, folks, we are super excited today to chat with Ted Seifert of the Zaner Group. Ted, a little while since we've had you on, but thanks for joining us today. Hey, Delaney. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, Ted, I want to start the discussion here with the high-level outlook for 2024 because we're starting to get a lot of folks speculating at what the new year will bring with potentially lower net farm income, probably lower commodity prices. What's your outlook for the year ahead? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to avoid uh, those thoughts, right? I mean, certainly we have uh, corn and, and beans trading, you know, lower than they had been, you know, a year ago. Um, it, you know, it seems like with all the stimulus and the p- pandemic and all the inf- rampant inflation that we had, that was really helping uh, a lot of uh, commodity prices has really fallen by the wayside. We're just, we're looking at a different world now. Um, and, you know, you look at, what happens after years of high prices and we have this tendency to kind of overcorrect. Right. But that doesn't mean that we don't have chances. We don't have opportunities. Um, you know, certainly we've got two growing seasons. We're, we're really in the beginning of the uh, Brazilian growing season right now. Well, actually really just in the beginning of their first season. And then we've got a second season and then we've got our growing season. So there are chances or possibilities for price recoveries. Um, the problem is, is that the overall fundamental outlook is changing. It's getting a lot more negative, uh, both from a individual market fundamentals uh, standpoint, but also from a macroeconomic standpoint. Um, again, just not having that undercurrent of inflation uh, really helping to support commodities prices. So that's a concern, you know, and if we're going back to the years of two plus billion bushel carryovers in corn and you know, fairly healthy carryovers in, in soybeans, maybe not necessarily from a domestic standpoint this year to 245 million bushel carryover, but a 110 million metric, to, a million metric ton plus global carryover is pretty darn comfortable. Uh, and, and it just doesn't simply justify the prices that we've had, uh, or, or even I'm going to go as far as saying it doesn't justify the prices that we're at now. Uh, and that's the concern. So the concern of a lower price environment compounded with a high interest rate environment, you know, things can get pretty lean here for a little while. Um, you know, we've enjoyed some really nice years, but things could could really change and we go through cycles and you, you're, the worry is that, the concern is that, you know, we're going, we're swinging the pendulum to the opposite side, right? Where we're going to have some some lean years here for a little bit. Um, so we got to be really carefully careful when those opportunities come along. Uh, and I'm also going to say that, you know, I think right now, as we get into the month of December, as we get into the holiday season, you know, a lot of times we just kind of well, just sit back and relax. You know, the big job's done. Harvest is over. We're, we've done a lot of our fall field work. And, you know, now it's getting to the point where we just sort of, you know, take a little bit of a break. But you can't do that for marketing. Right. And, and you got to really pay attention between now and the end of the calendar year because you really, really should be looking at uh taking advantage of what opportunities we still have in front of us. Right. And, and, you know, uh, it seems like for the last few years, this has been the similar strategy, but, you know, uh, I I like the idea of selling the board or selling cash uh, or an HDA, something like that. And then using calls for re-ownership in case we do get a weather issue to push us higher. But I'm not terribly optimistic that we're going to have a big weather issue. I think the, the, 
weather premium that we've got built into soybeans for the Brazilian weather may be coming to an end. Uh, you know, today was kind of a statement day for that, closing below trend line, closing below the 50-day and 200-day moving averages, closing below some very, very key support levels. Um, I, I think the charts are really telling you that you've got to be maybe a little bit aggressive here between now and the end of the calendar year. Okay, there was a lot of good topics that I want to unpack a little bit more there, Ted. Uh, I want to start with, you know, taking advantage of opportunities in front of us, because as you mentioned, growers get through harvest season, they maybe store stuff, sell stuff, whatever, but but we're maybe not focused on making those marketing decisions to look ahead. How are you advising growers right now thinking about 2024 marketing decisions and potentially how much they want to be sold? Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, it's always the conversation that we're having this time of year. Sometimes I don't feel like anybody really listens to me. <laughs> but generally speaking, you know, I, I tell people that uh, by the end of December or into the beginning, first couple of weeks of January, a lot of times is the second highest peak that we have of a year. <clears throat> highest one usually coming during the growing season, but not necessarily having to come during the growing season. Um, and again, you know, up until we had you know, you go back to our growing season last year, up until we had weather concerns, really January 1st was the high for the year for corn. Um, but then, you know, we, we, we beat it by a little bit when we had that initial big weather push. Uh, but it was the second highest, second highest uh, high of the year. I think we need to realize and understand the seasonal tendency of that. And, and I think uh, usually I tell guys to be about, 25 to 35% sold in corn beans by the time you get to the end of the calendar year or or by the time you get to that January WASD report. I think this time is is something where you want to be a little bit more aggressive than that. I, I want guys closer to like 45% sold corn and beans for, for new crop. That's for new crop. Uh, for old crop, I mean, I want guys, you know, 75 to 85% sold. And I don't mind coming back in and reowning opportunity with call options. Call options have gotten relatively cheap, especially in corn, because we've been in this downtrend for, for a long time now, Delaney. Um, so when you have, you know, 485 March corn on the board, um, I think there's a dollar, maybe more risk to the downside there. I'd rather cover or, or protect that downside risk by, again, selling futures or, or uh, you know, creating an HTA or just outright selling cash. And then manage the upside by coming in and maybe owning some call options that are relatively cheap. Because I am more than willing to risk 12 cents rather than risk a dollar. Mm -hmm. And that strategy, are you applying that to both corn, soybeans, and wheat? Yeah, I mean, I think that's really across the board right now. Um, I, I think it makes the most sense for corn and soybeans, mainly because wheat prices are had been really beat down. We've had a nice little recovery, you know, just in the past week for wheat. Uh, but more so for row crops for wheat. Oof, I don't know. Maybe you can try to be patient there for wheat. I, I, I want to be optimistic for wheat. Um, I, I'm probably more optimistic for wheat than I am for corn right now. Um, uh, but again, you know, macroeconomics, right? The bigger picture might stop us from having any real sustained rally in wheat. So yeah, I think you got to look at it for all three. But I think it, it, I think the row crops are the ones that are, are the ones you want to look the closely the most closely at. So Ted, you mentioned wheat's recovery here, and definitely today we saw another big jump in all three complexes. I'm guessing mostly due to the Chinese sale that we saw here, but just a short term blip on the radar. 
Yeah. You know, and we had gotten very oversold. I mean, we were due for a recovery. We had that key reversal in March, Kansas City week back. Uh, what well, I think it was last week, Tuesday. Um, the last time we did that, we had a three month recovery that was good for about a dollar and 80 cents. So, you know, maybe that's kind of what we're setting up for. Um, I think you do have to take that with a grain of salt, though, because wheat doesn't always act very well from a technical standpoint. But um, again, of the three, I'm most optimistic in wheat. Now, what I will say is that March Chicago wheat fell just shy of our major moving average, our 100 day moving average, uh, which is sitting at 633. Uh, That's going to be a really difficult uh, moving average to get up and over. We haven't been above it since basically the end of July. Uh, I think there was maybe one day in early August that we closed above it, but then immediately went back below it and haven't seen the light of day since then. So when you get near these big resistance points, I think it makes a lot of sense to make some sales. And again, if you want to come in with with reownership strategies on calls, things like that, uh, some analysts hate that. I personally, I don't mind that. I mean, lack of opportunity or giving away opportunity is one of the main reasons why we don't make sales. So if we... Uh, if if we feel better about making those sales because we can come in and reown that opportunity, then by all means, that is a very viable tool to use. Um, if you don't mind giving away the opportunity because you say, hey, I always have more to sell. I've got multiple crop years, you know, uh, going to be doing this for a while, right? I'm fine with that too. But if it helps you make the sale, then reowning that opportunity on fairly inexpensive call options, I think that's a great idea. So Ted, before we transition to talk livestock here, we've got the WASD report coming out later this week. Is this going to be a big market mover? Uh, Really not. You know, well, historically, it's really not. You know, the big numbers come in January. That's when we see our quote unquote final production numbers for corn and soybeans. Um, And because of that, the USDA a lot of times is really reluctant to make any big changes on the demand side of the equation as well on this December report. Uh, because they know there might be some sweeping changes coming in January. So from a domestic balance sheet standpoint, this is usually a pretty benign, pretty quiet report. This year, we might have a little bit more interest because the USDA will be uh, updating South American production numbers. And we are very curious to see what they're going to say on the Brazilian numbers because of the issues that they've been having there. Um, So there might be some fireworks on this report. But from a from a domestic standpoint, we hardly ever see anything big on this report. So, yeah, it, it, it might be a little bit more interesting than a normal December report, but it's still a December report. Ted, let's talk livestock here. Both February live cattle and January feeder cattle closed lower today, and they have both seen a pretty big downward trend here for multiple weeks in a row. Are we close to finding a bottom for those two markets? Mm-hmm. I don't know, Delaney. Uh, <laughs> I want to say, yeah. Uh, I think from a fundamental from a fundamental standpoint, we've overshot the mark to the downside now. Um, but that happens when you have fairly thin markets that are really kind of dominated by your large speculators. Um, you know, during the day there today, the Jan feeder cattle had a fairly healthy bounce off the lows. Now, they never quite made it back to unchanged. Um, but it was a fairly healthy balance off the lows up until about 10 o'clock. And then we gave a lot of that back. Now we weren't making new lows on the close, but it really just didn't leave you with a great feeling at the end of the day on, on a Monday. So I don't know. I want to be optimistic that we are close to putting in lows. I, I want to say that again, fundamentally, I think we've overshot the mark to the downside. I think fair value is higher than where we're trading currently, 
but I don't know if that matters at the moment. What really matters is that from a technical standpoint, these guys are, are justified to continue to sell into it and they will continue to do that. Uh, and we have these, these moments in time where we say, Hey, the cattle market's broken. The cattle complex is broken. I think this is one of those times. It doesn't necessarily mean though, that it will snap right back to, to what we would consider, you know, being fixed right away. It might take some time. And, and, and again, you didn't like the price action that we saw there uh, Monday. So I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that we're close to a bottom, but you know, I, I really can't say that for sure. The one good thing, or I don't know about good thing, but the, the one, the one thing I can say is that we are really rather oversold uh, on a, on a daily chart that those uh, Jan feeders are at 29% on the relative strength index. You know, anything that's 30% or, or below we call, you know, oversold. Uh, so maybe that if, if anything means a, a bit of a pause in the selling, but man, uh, it, it would really be nice to see some sort of, I don't know, technical bottoming type formation, uh, which we don't have yet. Do we have that yet for February lean hogs put in a low about a week ago now started to climb our way back up from there, but uh, where do we head from here? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, fed hogs look better than say feeder cattle do, but they are still in a downtrend and have been since February, right? I mean, we're going on almost a year of this downtrend in the, in the Feb hogs. So I don't know. I think at this point, maybe we can come back up and try the high end of the range, but it'll, it's going to take a lot more work to, to break out of this downtrend that we've been in. And I've been kind of contesting for a while that if we do slip into a deeper reception recession during the winter time frame, which I'm not necessarily advocating for, I do think it's a possibility, but there are certainly a lot of, you know, talking heads on the news, the business news stations or whatever warning about this bigger, darker depression. Honestly, though, if that happens, that might be a good thing for pork uh, as, as a, a cheaper substitute to beef that might help uh, domestic demand. And maybe that's what gets us out of this downtrend. I, you know, I don't know. It's kind of counterintuitive, but I do think that is a possibility. Um, in the meantime, I'm hoping that we can hold on to the strength. You know, we did have a, a, a halfway decent day today, uh, even though we were, you know, lower on Friday and started out lower today. Uh, so that's encouraging. And again, I do think that we could go up and test the high end of the range. But like I said, there's a lot more work to be done to break out of this overall downtrend that we're in. Fantastic. Well, Ted, I think that's all the time we have for today. But if our listeners want to pick your brain or follow along with you on social media, how can they find you? Absolutely. You can reach me directly at 312-277-0113. You can find us on, on the web at www.zaner.com. And you can find me on the Twitter or the X or X Twitter, or whatever <laughs> we're calling it now, Delaney. But I am at the Ted spread. Fantastic, Ted. Well, thanks so much for joining again today. Always appreciate your insight. Yeah, Delaney. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Have a great day. Well, thanks for taking that over and having a good conversation with Ted. It's always a pleasure to have him join us on the podcast. Listeners, we'll have more great interviews this week, so don't go too far, right, Delaney? Absolutely, Tanner. We've got a lot of great conversations lined up for our listeners ahead of the Christmas break. But for today, Tanner, that's all we've got. So what do you say? We let our listeners go. Let's let them go.